Bam, we're live. We did it. I used to be stressed out when the show started. Now, now for some reason, I get relaxed. Like, holy shit, I made it. Are you on <laughs> well, vacation? Is, I, I am. So this is, uh, this is like our off season. And so, yeah, um, before the Open starts here, we, we got, got away with the family. That's awesome. Jedediah. Yes. Jedediah. Yeah, it, um, is it a hard name to say, or is it just me? It's it's not. It's a hard name to read. Oh, <laughs> so when people, yes. People aren't sure how to, like, if it's Jedediah or or Jedidia, or I get all kinds of things. But one, Jedediah, that's not hard to say once you know how to say it. So <laughs> I demand Matt Souza appears. Ah, there you are. Hi, Matt Souza. <laughs> Powers. Hey, guys, what's going on? Good morning. Look, I, I see a seagull morning, over Jedediah. Jedediah, are you covered? I saw a seagull fly over you. You're not going to get drilled. Yeah, you? no, I'm I'm good. So I'm on the patio of our room. So <laughs> All right. I'm protected. All right, All right. Uh, Susie, you can you can be in the shadows if you want, or you can be up front. It's up to you, brother. All right, I'll maybe I'll do a little balance of both here. Just want to give my smile face and a wave. Yeah, Jedediah popped up on the uh, on my radar. A uh, bunch of people at um, Wadapalooza while we were covering that, um, courtesy of Ancestral Supplements, um, said, uh, "Hey, you got to talk to this guy, Jedediah." We, I got like a handful of DMs, and so then basically what I was doing um, was just like DMing as many people as I could because I was trying to make the show cool, right? To have just like tons of people lined up just everywhere. And Jedediah was one of those people who slipped through the cracks. Um, a ton of people slipped through the cracks and, uh, Jedediah was, uh, nice enough not to take offense that he slipped through the cracks and circle back with us and, and come on during his vacation. Ah, no worries. That's a chaotic time during Waza. So, <laughs> um, did you guys, so they had a, they had a massive rain delay. Massive yes. rain delay. I, my my, I, my heart went out to uh, um, D- Dylan, Kristen, the the crew there, Matt O'Keefe, because I know that's stressful. You got all these little uh, chickies in the nest barking, mommy, daddy, let's go, let's go, let's go. What ended up yeah. happening to you guys? Did you guys um, get any priority? I mean, obviously the the uh, I don't know what you call them, the pro guys. Yes. The guys with the big Instagram accounts got to go. Did anyone else get to go? (laughs) Yeah. So we did get our last workout. And I think that was more of a priority due to the fact that we had been last minute cut out of the run, swim, run because of logistics. So we were already down a workout. And so had they cut that workout too, it would have been um, awful. Um, But, but we were very fortunate. They, they made it happen. And so we got back and got to complete our last workout. So they're basically, we're like, Hey, okay. So, Wait, well, let's go back to what you just said right there. Did you, why did you guys get cut out of the run, swim, run? Was that because of that debacle with the girl that they thought they I, lost in the water? No, it was before that. They had just decided at the beginning of the weekend that due to logistics is all I was told. Um, I assume, obviously, the rowers they had this year with the assault, um, they don't come apart like a concept, too. So we, we obviously could not use the rower. So we, we could have done like a run, swim, which we've done in the past, but... I don't know where exactly they were holding it and what the logistics of that was because we've, when they've had the offsite runs and swims, we've been able to participate, no problem. But when they have it off of Bayside only, the ramp is too steep in the water for the seated athletes. And so um, I think just due to the size of everything this year and logistics, they just said, you know, we, we just, just to be safe, we're going to, we're going to bag this one. So what um, division so they, do, you com- do you compete in? So I compete. So 
there's technically two answers to that. So the easiest one is to say seated. Um, I am a uh, T12 paraplegic, um, and so I compete from a wheelchair in the seated division. Um, now, most competitions nowadays have two seated divisions. There is the seated one and the seated two, which is defined by with hip function or without hip function, meaning that you may have partial use of your legs or your hips um, and be able to pull from those muscle groups and activate. Or you're like me, you're a paraplegic where your legs do nothing but get in the way. Um, and so transitions, um, doing lifts, like it's just a, a complete, we have less muscle groups that we're able to pull from. Uh, and no age groups. No, no age groups. And what's the youngest you can be to compete in that? Um, you know, I, they haven't really defined that way. I know. So like Josie portal, um, she competes in the women's and, um, she's competed at Wadapalooza often. And the last time she's the same age as my daughter. So the last time she was there, she wasn't able to make it this year, actually due to um, school schedule and finals for her semester. But the last year she competed there, she was 11. So, um, so they haven't years old. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so tell me, how is it a competition? But, but it's, it's separated by sex too, right? By your genitalia. Correct. Okay. So then you, um, so it would be you with a bunch of other dudes who are seated, meaning you don't have use to your legs. This one isn't split by hip. How, um, and, and is there a winner? Yes. So it's like, fuck you. I don't care that you're 11. I'm 32. I don't care if you're 75. <laughs> I'm whooping your ass. Yeah. So I like she does. It. I like she, it. I, 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 I yeah. approve. I, <laughs> yeah. She holds her own. She's been, on, she holds her own, um, in the scale division. She's been on the podium several times. So, uh, what's the, what's the deal? Is, is it, is it a, is it a sensitive group? Like, is there a, a, a really fucking strong, like vernacular you're supposed to use and not deviate from it? No, no, especially cool. us that are this way. And because we're more outgoing and open to the real world, um, you know, we make jokes and some people like are almost aghast at times, the things that we say, but it's just, we're not sensitive. Like life is, you know, it goes on. So get over it. Like, <laughs> um, do, you, do you know, do you know Pitbull raw? Yes. Uh, that, he, ha do. he has that great joke where he asked, uh, you've, you've probably heard it where he asked God for a giant penis or no, he asked God for a penis that drags on the ground. Right. <laughs> yeah. And uh so God removed his legs and uh holy shit, what a great yeah. joke. He's like, be careful what you ask for, man. Be careful what you ask for. Right, right. No, it's it's true. <laughs> have you met him? I have. I've competed with Zach multiple times in the past. Zach, Zach, I always forget his name. What did I call him? Pitbull rules. I know. It, how it's often does that happen nowadays? We identify people by their Instagram handles <laughs> instead of their real name. <laughs> I do that all the time. Yeah. <laughs> um, Susan, can I see what what T twelve is? Wh uh, where that is? Yes. Is that an input? Are all the vertebrae are important, right, Jedediah? You can't. Well, yeah. <laughs> if one doesn't work, then you know you're you're in some kind of condition like I am. So. Is, is that, is that in accidents? Is that a, I mean, you had some sort of accident? Yeah. So I used to race uh, motocross. Um, I raced 17 years, five years professionally as a minor league athlete, and then uh, was racing recreationally after I'd retired from pro racing and had an accident in the winter where I came down off of a, a steep downhill and uh, got thrown off the track. 
Um, the problem was where I landed was it was during the winter and the ground, even though they the track was a sand track and they drug it, but where I got thrown was off the track and the ground was frozen two, three inches deep. Frozen, is that what you said? Yeah, so it was basically like hitting concrete. Um, is that is that one that broke right there? Is that a typical one that broke because it's kind of at the apex of that turn or? Yeah, you tend to find like common injuries is like down like T T eleven T twelve and then it jumps kind of generally. Then you see either like between T three T six or then it's the neck like the C's. Um, those are kind of common. Um, you know, vulnerable, more vulnerable points, I would say. But I mean, I, you know, people get injuries at multiple different levels, depending on what kind of accident they had and, and where they get hit. So. So did any of your other vertebrae get damaged? No, not my vertebrae. Um, just everything else around my spine in that accident. Uh, you, you punctured a lung. I, I did. I punctured my lung. I broke several ribs. I shattered my sternum. Um, I dislocated my shoulder and uh, my left hip. And then that also sheared off the head of my femur. So, yeah, I was Holy. a mess for a while. Wait, wait, wait. Tell me about this sheared off the head of the femur thing. Yeah. So basically when my hip dislocated, it like you kind of like an apple, like if you slice it with a knife, it basically sheared off a piece of the head of my femur. And I had to have another surgery later to go in and reattach it. Why? Why do that? If you don't have use to your legs, why not just say fuck it? Well, because if I mean, your body can still like your body still functions the same, even though I don't have mental control of it. Like it still like has my, to articulate in there. It still has correct, to correct. Correct. Okay. And it's, it's actually been um, a pain because now I have partial fusion of my hip on that side. I have a condition from having uh, that injury and head trauma at the same time where there was like a scramble in my brain where it says, it tries to tell my body that my left hip is a broken bone. So it tries to constantly deposit calcium there to fuse it into one, one piece. So, um, and, 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 and what were the implications of that? You were saying there's pain there now. No, so there's a partial fusion. So it gets oh. real stiff. So I literally have to stretch out my, my left hip every day to keep it from trying to like solidify. Oh, like those guys who can't bend their arms. Cause they got like the build up here. Correct. Yeah, exactly. Crazy. Yeah. That's so. shattered sternum. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that was painful for a while too. Does that just go, that that comes back together by itself? Yeah, yeah, it was a place where it didn't like it it didn't dislocate or dislodge, it just was all kinds of in pieces and so it just healed itself. Um there there's a video here that I want to show you uh that I I pulled from your Instagram account. Sorry Susan, I'm taking your job for a second. Now, you guys, I'm going to play this and it's going to come quick. Um you're you're lifting overhead. Oh yeah, this is old school. And I couldn't find the um, exact clip by itself. All right, this, 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 this. Okay, I'm yeah, not gonna it, play this quite yet. Um, so g- describe to me what's going on here, and do you ever make this mistake again? I'm gonna play the clip in a minute after after it happens once. Do you ever make this mistake again? Yeah, uh, occasionally, not as often. I'm actually so this was a hundred and forty pound bar. Uh huh. Um, and I was doing, it was actually during one of the open workouts and it was, I can't remember which one it was specifically. This was a while ago. This was like 17 or 16, I think. Um, and 
yeah, so there was a max lift at the end, and I just went, I just pulled it really hard, or it was a snatch, and I pulled it really hard, and once I got it overhead, I was just, there's too much leverage on the back, and so the chair flipped, and yeah, my natural reaction, and, and the bad thing about the video is it looks like it hits my legs, but it actually hit the two front crossbars of the chair. Yeah, there it is, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's nuts. Um, and and now in competitions or at least in other videos, I see someone's holding your chair when you're going overhead. Yeah, yeah. I actually, it's actually funny now since I've kind of developed my technique. I tend to more want to tip with a lighter bar than a than a um, than a heavier bar, and the reason is because it's more the the rebound. So I I use my back and my core a lot to pull into a lift and. So when I'm doing like high rep, like from the lap, I'll throw myself forward and then pop back in that momentum with the bar that has is more likely to throw me than, than a heavy bar just because of the rebound and the inertia. Right. Right. So yeah, that's scary. That w- was that scary yeah. as shit when that happened? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Especially when I'm tossing a 140 pound bar yeah, <laughs> and right. I hope it goes far enough to clear me. <laughs> um, Another video of uh, oh, there's a there's a whole bunch of these videos that make me um, really uncomfortable is when you go in the water when you swim right yeah because every yeah. time I see you go in the water I pretend like I go into my head and I start pretending that's me but I but my legs are tied together or something like they yeah. like they say Sevon jump in the pool if you don't use your legs we're gonna electrocute you I'll be like oh, shit <laughs> I mean uh, how is that swimming with I mean, how much do your legs weigh. Uh, I don't know. So I tend to have more density than others, though, just because of the fact that my legs are in constant spasm with my injury, meaning that they don't shake necessarily all the time, but they're constantly contracted. Um, So the muscles are always tight and fighting me. And so the downside is my legs fight me like whatever I'm doing. They're not on the same team. But with that constant contraction of the muscle, they keep some they keep more tone than others who are just still and don't do anything. Um, so I probably have a be, good amount of weight. It must be crazy swimming with just, it, it, it's like having tentacles, I guess it's, it, but you can't control it's, them. Like, yeah, it's not bad once you get comfortable because the good things is, is they're still right. So, so they, you know, it's more of that free float. Um, and as long as you keep a little, like you tread water fairly easy it, once you relax and, and just, you know, swim normal, it's just slower. Um, but at first it's kind of like, yeah, well, you got to get past that mind freak when I first learned how to swim without my legs. Cause yeah. And then I noticed that it, it, it will, it appears that like you are become very confident you'll be swimming and then you'll just rotate onto your back and take a break for a second. So well, like you I to float on your back for a second and then flip back over. And I tend to swim, especially long distance in open water. I swim on my back and do a backstroke because the way my legs contract, they stay bent. And so if I stay on my stomach, it wants to drag me underneath and, it, and it's almost like pulling an anchor. But if I swim on my back, the water tends to like free flow underneath me. And so I can stay on top easier. Oh, that's nice. Did you know the backstroke before you got in your accident? No, I was not a, much of a swimmer at all. So you're in a sport where your injury is not uncommon. Is that correct? You were in a sport with motor- motocross. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's relatively not. Yes, correct. Right. I I, I think before, um, I want to say this in the most severe, harshest way I can. Perfect. (laughs) Um, 
before people um, started spending um, making it an American pastime to kill themselves and shoving poison in their mouths 24 hours a day, um, the leading cause of uh, the leading use of prosthetics was was motorcycle people. Now it's people who drink too much Coca Cola. It's fascinating. Yeah. It's yeah. fascinating. I think for those of you who aren't following, you drink too much Coca-Cola, you get type two diabetes, you lose blood flow to your legs and your legs come off. That that is the leading cause of amputation in the United States. People who do it to themselves. Should my kids pay the price for that? Sorry. Okay, I'll come back. Uh, (laughs) The silver lining is COVID's helped with that just because the motorcycle industry, dirt bikes, what recreational vehicles are like booming. With it, oh, when good. everybody got, um, Wait, why is that good? <laughs> well, when everybody got quarantined, they wanted to get outside and be active again because they were sick of being stuck in their house. And you could, and at that time, you could do it in social distance still. So motorcycle sales, UTV sales, all these just went skyrocketing because people wanted to get out. So you and, think motorcycles um, will surpass type two diabetes <laughs> now as the leading cause of prosthetics? I don't know. Hopefully, because that means the numbers came way down. But um, we'll see. <laughs> at least people the, are on their average- bikes again. I, I just saw it again a couple of days ago. The average per at first, it was like 40% of the United States put on at least 29 pounds or more. And recently I just heard that the average person in the United States in the last two years has put on 29 pounds. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And not, That's and not, sad. not like arms like you either. Yeah. That's sad. Oh, it's brutal. It's brutal. Um, so, so, um, when you were riding, did you know dudes who were in wheelchairs who used to ride? Yes. Yeah, I do. I have a couple of close friends that were paralyzed. And and what did you have any? Um, is this Nick Palladino, uh, the the child superstar who's now it a is. young man? Yeah, I think it is. He said that it was him earlier on another one. Oh, another that's cool. What's up, Nick? We had um, th- this guy compete. Do you know this guy, Jedediah? Palladino? I. Mi- I might if I see if I, I'm a face person, not a name person. So he trained. I think he trained over at Mayhem with um, uh, Angelo DeChico. He's a okay. he he, he, mm-hmm. I, he hasn't been in the scene in a few years. I guess he he's uh, killing it in the Twitch world now, playing video games. Oh, but nice. he was super crazy strong. He had a you know he had like I think he had like a 300 pound snatch as a 16 year old boy. Oh, Something wow. crazy like that. Yeah. Whoa. Um, what did you think about those guys? What was who were in the wheelchairs for motorcycle accidents? Did did you give them much thought? What was your perception of that? What were your feelings on that? How did you process um, to, that? To be honest, I didn't have much feeling because I've grown up where I just was extremely active outside. Accidents happen; it's just part of living life. Um, and so I didn't, to be honest, at the time, think much of it. I know that I had a lot of. Uh, Knowing what I know now, there's a lot of misperception as far as what they dealt with or went through. But yeah, I had a couple friends that were in wheelchairs that I would hang out with at times and, and that were paralyzed due to racing. And it was just that's who they were and, and life went on. But um, yeah, so so you, like I said, I had a different perception as far as some of the stuff that they, they went through now that I've experienced it myself. But I, I think it also helped that, you know, I, I would like I said, I was involved in the sport for 17 years and at a high level, both as a, as an athlete and a strength and conditioning coach for a while. And, um, so when my accident happened, it was no surprise. It wasn't like, you know, it caught me out of left field. It's like, yeah, okay. I, I always knew this was a, you know, you don't think it's going to happen to you, but I, I knew it was an option or a, or a potential. So when it happened, it did not take me by surprise. 
And I had some other accidents prior in racing where I probably should have been paralyzed or dead, to be honest. So, yeah. Um, when you say your, your, per- some, some of your perceptions of, of what it was like to go through it and anything stand out as an example. Yeah. The internal struggles, like people ask me, like, you know, what would you do if, you know, if you could have one thing back as far as what you've lost, most people would say, well, I'd love to have the function of my legs left. Honestly, I'd love to have bowel control and that kind of stuff. Some of the nerve pain that I deal with is more of a bigger issue than my legs not working. (laughs) So that stuff that you just don't know until you sit. You know, you think somebody's just sitting in a chair, they're just sitting in a chair comfortably. You don't realize that their hips are tight. Their nerves are just off the charts. Like everything is just in constant um, contraction and pain and, and you just learn to deal with it. And so they're not making faces. They're constantly like, uh, you know, whatever, but because you just get used to it. And so you think from the outside, you just see them sitting there comfortably. They're not sitting comfortably. <laughs> right. So. Um, I, I had a friend um, named uh, Vern Martell. He was a Canadian, a professional arm wrestler, and he only had one arm amazing arm wrestler always made me nervous to see him arm wrestle. Cause like, I always think shit, what if his one arm gets he injured blew his shoulder out or something? Yeah. <laughs> um, but he would tell, he, it was the first time, and this was maybe, I don't know, 20 years ago. He would tell me about phantom pains. He would yeah. basically tell me that where is that, where his arms missing, that basically it feels like he's on fire. Yeah. And I was like, I, I could never get my head really wrapped around that. Um, is, is that something that you have also? You have phantom pains, even though you can't so, feel your legs, you feel your legs? The best way to describe it for me is, you know, when you like lay on your arm wrong or you lay on your leg wrong and then you try to stand up and your leg's asleep and it has that fuzziness that yes. goes throughout the leg. Yes. So my legs have that 24-7. Oh, if they're wow. uncomfortable, it wow. gets extremely intense and at a very like high intensity, high vibration, very uncomfortable if my legs are relaxed, it gets very subtle and harmonious. So yeah, it, it's, but it's there 24 um, seven. Just that, that fuzziness. Where did you say you were again right now where you're sitting? Like what country? Uh, Mexico or in Puerto Morales, just outside of Cancun. And, nice. and, you, and you flew there? Yes. And, and, and how is that? So are, do you just, do, do you loathe plane rides? Is that, does that shit just get fired up in the plane? Like, I, like- I, yeah. I do because the seats are uncomfortable. My legs get super tight um, just sitting there for that long. And so I usually, we've planned it at least for me, especially with the spasms in my legs that when I, I always get to a place early and I just have a down day when we get there where the next day I just pretty much chill, try and get out of my chair as much as I can, lay in bed and just let my body kind of settle down. Um, if you just want to get your, like for, for, for me, I, um, I live in the comfort of my own home and I have this garage. Like I think it looks like you have a garage where I can just go and just get away. And like, yeah. so, so yesterday was my fasting day. I don't eat for 36 hours once a week. And so a couple of times a day, I just go sit on the assault bike and I just ride it for 10 minutes and, uh, and until sweat starts dribbling down and then I just get off, you know what I mean? Get my heart beat up. Yeah. And I, and I do that a couple of times a day. What, um, what can you, what do you do? What's the go-to for a dude without legs? If you just, if you just want to get your heart beat up and, but you, yeah. you know what I mean? But you don't want to work. You just want to get yeah. your heart beat up, feel a bead of sweat come down. What do you do? I have a commercial hand cycle for that. So it's just, it's like, it's like some spinning for somebody else, right? Like having a spin bike, I just get on it. Or like you talk about with your assault bike and I just spin my arms out forward and backward for a little while. And then, um, yeah, just to get my heart rate, my blood flowing. And then I go through a stretching session, very low impact on my shoulders and my elbows, but cycles everything out, gets the blood flowing. And yeah, 
Can really I can I that see that, Susa? It's, yeah, it's I'm getting it right called, now. It's called a hand cycle. Yeah, it's like literally the one I have. I found at a at an old uh, wholesale gym place. They had it second hand, and uh, so mine's a little bit different um, than that. That's actually a modern one. Mine is like literally from the 1980s. Huh. It's a big commercial bulk thing. The uh, screen on it looks like an Atari. Like <laughs> it's it's pretty trippy. <laughs> But it yeah. works. <laughs> so that and that thing was just that thing's just bolted to a table right there. Yeah. So mine's on an actual like you know um, how they have these recumbent bikes where like at the gym where you sit on them and you're kind of sitting in a lounge chair and you're just pedaling your legs. Yeah. So mine's that way only with a hand cycle instead of the the leg cycle. Gotcha. Do you actually have a hand cycle that you can ride around town with? No, I don't. Yeah. Um, they're expensive. All the, that's the biggest thing is all the extra equipment is so expensive. So if I wanted to get one, it's anywhere from three to $10,000. Right. It, 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 I guess one of the reasons also is all the stuff that the vast majority of people use, the price just comes down the more and more people die, right? That or die, the more and more people <laughs> buy like a flat screens TV now are $6 at Best Buy, right? When before they were $6,000 and no one yeah. buys hand cycles, right? So like the cost is exorbitant. Uh, it would be, and that's not necessarily true. It's more from a from a, the insurance and the liability from being deemed medical equipment or a med- uh. medical. And so there's all these extra things where it shouldn't cost that much, but it does because of you know anything deemed medical, then the price goes up triple. So uh, uh, crazy. Yeah. <laughs> hey, is there? Um, you, 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 oh, that's interesting. I remember seeing. Greg Glassman had, um, you know, he had polio as a kid, yeah. even though he could cycle, he could ride a, a, a regular bike, like a, like a madman. He would, he would clip in and just ride, but he had a hand cycle. He, he had a home in Arizona. He still has a home in, in Arizona and there was a hand cycle in there. Do, do, do non-disabled people use hand cycles? Non-able bodied. Yeah. Does your wife use your hand cycle? No. No, um, <laughs> no she's got her spin cycle. bike. <laughs> No, she's got her spin bike. So, um, I mean, imagine there's, you know, situations for therapy or whatnot. If people have elbow injuries or shoulder injuries and they're trying to rebuild just like knee constructive surgery or whatever, where they'd use a hand bike. But how, how old was your daughter when you got hurt? She was five. Um, did, did that fuck her up? Uh, yes. Um, she is extremely mature for her age. Um, and I, attribute a lot of it to the trauma that she went through. Um, she was actually at the track with me that day. My, my wife, who is an event producer, uh, was actually helping another friend um, who was a wedding planner um, who got short-staffed help with the wedding. So she was gone. So the, my daughter went to the track with me that day. And thankfully, I had friends that were very um, on point that as soon as I had my accident and they knew what was going on, they grabbed her and they put her in one of the camping trailers with, with some other young kids so that she didn't actually physically see it. Um, but she knew stuff was going on. And then when she got home, you know, obviously all of a sudden dad couldn't walk and, uh, life was very different after that. How long after your crash, um, did you show up at home a month, a week? Uh, so I was in the re I was in the hospital for just about three months. Holy wow. shit. Hey, dude, 
Jedediah, I bought my kid a one. I'm 49, right? My kids, my kids know I'm old. They know something's wrong. Like they got a fucked up dad, right? They're like, uh, how come the other dads don't look like you? And and like, and when we're out, people be like, oh, nice grandkids. It's fucked up. It's fucked up. But anyway, I, I mean, not for me. I feel I'm cool with it. I feel bad for sure. them. I like no one wants the old dad. But um, uh, they, my son has my son's seven, and, and I have another two sons who are five, and they have a one wheel. It's this. Do you know what it is? Yeah. It's like a segue with one wheel. Okay. Yeah. So, so if I get on it, they'll start crying. Because they think you're going to hurt yourself. Yes, sir. (laughs) Crying. Yeah. Crying. If I do anything like that, that looks like it's like remotely, like um, when we go to the skate park, I go into all the bowls and I clean up, I pick up all the cans and and, and like, I don't want any bottle caps, just all the shit, you know, those kids throw down in there. And my kids get concerned that like, I'm not going to be able to get out. I'm like, dude, <laughs> like you see me do a million pull-ups in the garage. What are you tripping? Right. Like I can't, they think I'm going to get trapped in the pool. Yeah. And they start panicking. It's nuts. It's fucking. So uh, I can only imagine the trauma um, it had on your daughter. Like that really, it, um, when you crashed, did you think about her? Like, oh shit, where the fuck's my daughter? Well, no, because I was out of it. I mean, I, okay. I suffered a major TBI. And so I was out for several minutes. And when I came to, there's, there's bits and pieces I remember, but outside of that, I was out of it. So, um, I, it, you know, I went through initial reaction. That's funny. Like motocrossers, we're not normal people. We're built a different way. And there's this thing when we have an accident where, you know, the paramedics and everybody will come over and we're like, no, like, I'm fine. Just get away from me. Leave me alone. Give me a second. I'll be fine. Yeah. And I kept doing that. I kept fighting everybody. They're trying to strap me to a board and I'm like, I'm fine. Get away. Like, and granted, I'm not in my right mind. Right. And so finally, one of the, the uh, volunteer, the EM, the firefighters that were there, because there's a fire station close to that track, they always respond first. So one of the firefighters like stood up finally and goes, fine, everybody get away. And so everybody backed off and he said, okay, go ahead. So I sat there for a second and then I was like, oh, shit, um, I can't move my legs. And so it just hit me. And so then, then I was like, okay, go ahead. <laughs> then I was like, okay, yeah, obviously I need this today, but. I've had moments where I'm like, I'm fine. I'm fine. I push them off. And then I finally get up and grab the dirt bike and go. But yeah, which, you know, may not be the greatest thing, but it happens. That's a, <laughs> when I, when I used to skateboard way back when, and I would do it at a competitive level, you would fall, you would take a bad fall. And everybody's first and that initial reaction is just to jump up and be like, okay, I'm good. Everything's working and stuff like that. So it was out. That was the reason why you're pushing everybody. Like, give me space. So I could pop up. And then you realize, Oh, fuck. Yeah. I didn't acknowledge on me that my legs weren't working. Um, I was just more focused on everybody trying to swarm me. And yeah, cause I've had, like you said, I've had moments where I just pop up and go. And I had one race where I took a bad spill and they were, they thought I'd broken my neck because of the way my helmet snapped. And I got up and I jumped back on the track and it did, didn't realize it until I hit the next jump that I broke my collarbone and my oh, arm went up and I was like, Oh, and so I just like tossed the bike and <laughs> I'm like, yep, nope, I'm not good. <laughs> what a crazy sport. Yeah. My, my nephews do that. I have three nephews who in Texas who race motocross. Yep. Actually, get, two. One of them just stopped. I'm so I'm I hate to say this, but I'm so glad. I yeah, mean, I like it, watching them. Don't get me wrong, but but it gets a bad rap. It's it's very so it's small, right? It's it's a very small percentage sport, and so it looks like there's a lot more energy injuries than there really is. When you actually do the statistics and look at it statistically, the percentage of injuries versus other sports is actually very low. 
The problem is, is when there are injuries, they tend to be more severe. And because it's so small, it has this microscope on it that makes it look worse than it is. Uh, at the CrossFit Games one year, they had this uh, guy. He was a stunt rider. And it mm-hmm. was in, uh, this was in, um, in Carson. And he, was, and he would go off these giant ramps, these huge ramps. I don't know if you remember. It was in the soccer stadium. And yeah. he would do these backflips and shit and just crazy shit. And it's so different to see. I, I, did, I couldn't even watch. Like, because I watch yeah. that shit on TV, I'm like, oh, this is really cool. This is fun. In person, it's it's absolutely like, I mean, but it's it yeah. was so it was so intense. The guy was safe. He was killing it. It landed every yeah. jump. It was a miracle. It's, but it's so intense. It's just like gymnastics. It's yes. all timing yes. and flow. So I trained. So like I said, I worked when I retired from racing at first for 12 years, and then four of those years on a very high level, I worked as a uh, strength and conditioning coach. And one of the athletes I trained was a, um, a freestyle snowmobile rider for Winter X Games. And, and so, yeah, you think about doing that on a, on a motorcycle. Think about a 400-pound snowmobile and backflipping it and doing tricks off of it while you're backflipping and whatnot. And you think these guys are just, like, nailing the throttle and ripping it and hoping for the best, but they're not. Like, it's all the timing. Like, we would do stuff, and I was like, you know, and it was breaking it down. It's like, okay – that flip was too slow. Your timing was off. You need to speed it up a little bit so that you can pull this other trick with it. And it's just, it's very gymnastics and head position and body position and everything. It's, it's, it's no different than your elite gymnast. It's interesting you say that because my nephews are great at gymnastics. Great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just yep. physical, just young men who are just physical specimens. They can do it all. Yeah. Yeah. That's nuts. And they, and they, and they, they, have really um, shared with me the importance of endurance in motocross too, that it's just crazy, crazy intense. Like yeah. They're basically, their non-motorcycle training is pretty intense also. I think it was 2005 uh, Pittsburgh uh, Medical uh, Center, uh, University of Pittsburgh Medical Center did a study and they took all these, pulled all these different athletes from different professional sports and put them through this conditioning test. And motorcycle, motocross at that time was deemed the most physically demanding sport. It was deemed the second most cardiovascular demanding sport, um, second to soccer. But, um, yeah, it's people don't realize a lot. You know, we hear the comments all the time, like, well, you're just sitting on a dirt bike. You're not really doing anything. The bike's doing the work. That could be farther from the truth. Like, the G, I mean, you're you're pulling Gs um, with inertia and force and, you know, and then the high impact of all these bumps and on your joints and everything and then, yeah, and then controlling the two hundred and you know ten pound bike or whatever, it's mm-hmm. there's a lot to it. Yeah, a lot of very high demanding core. Yeah, it's super physical. I've I've ridden a, a dirt bike in very short amounts and stuff, and I find myself just being super tense on it the whole time too. It's probably just because I'm terrified, yeah. but you know, it's like you're, you're trying to like hold on to it, and maneuver it, and you're just everything is just tight, and then you get off and you're trying to open up your hands afterwards because yeah. it's so suck. Yeah. So anybody who says that it's not, it's the bike doing the work. Clearly, has it's no experience. It's really interesting since I've gotten into CrossFit now that the, the correlation and I, my past in motocross has helped me so much in CrossFit because, like I told you, motor, motocross and dirt bike kids are built so differently, and one of the things and where our perception is different is the amount of suffering that we can endure, you know? And so you talk about like holding on to a barbell and going through anything like one of our, in in the wheel wad games, one of the workouts we did was seven minutes of just uh, clean and press. Um, And our bar weight was 75 pounds. And so, I mean, you think about that, just clean and press for seven minutes. 
and the amount of suffering that you endure during a workout like that. And where a lot of guys are like, my forearms are blown up. I have got to let go of the bar. You correlate that to what I used to do in motocross. I used to race two 35-minute motos outdoor in 100-plus degree weather with an hour break in between. And you get 15 minutes into a moto, and if you have an incident or whatever where your forearms lock up and they're pumped up and you can't hardly hang on, the initial reaction is not, oh, I need to stop. I need to take a break. Like, you just go, whoop. You know, this freaking sucks, but I'm just going to have, it's just going to be 25, 20 minutes of hell that I'm just going to have to endure and do the best I can do. Like stopping is not a, a thought or a perception in any way. And so you just go, you just suffer through it. And so when I got to CrossFit, I found like the amount of suffering that I can do versus others that don't have that background is mentally is, is, uh, it's, it's unique. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. I rode a snowmobile once with a bunch of these guys who are trackers and hunters. They must think I'm the biggest pussy. They had like, we went out like on 10 snowmobiles and I kept having to stop because it wasn't a throttle like this. It was a thumb throttle. Yeah. Yeah. And my thumb would just get exhausted. <laughs> yeah. Like, what are you doing? I'm like, my thumb's done. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's okay. I, I hate snowmobiles. So I hated them. Um, well, your your first Instagram post, you you don't have use of your legs in your very first Instagram post. Did you erase yeah. everything before then, or did you not start Instagram until then? No, Instagram, I didn't have it till then. I was, yeah. And, and, and what year was your accident? 2014. Okay. And um and you were why were you strength and conditioning coach? How how did you how did you you went to school for that? Well, why did you do no. that? No. Um, experience. Um, I had just built myself in, as an athlete. And I, so e even as a racer, like I was not a natural ability fast guy. Like I said, I was a minor league athlete and I only got to the level that I did because of my strength and conditioning that I had built for myself. I was the guy that um, I wasn't going to have the super fast lap times. I wasn't going to be fast out of the gate. But what people saw is I never fell off. Like my lap time never changed. And so often towards the end of the race, I would just start picking guys off. And so I was known for that. I had a couple friends that were at a high level. Um, one of those friends that I used to race with and train with all the time that was quite a bit younger than myself, um, got a ride with one of the factories and they required him to bring a trainer with him. And so he just, he hit me up and said, Hey, will you come be my trainer? And so that's how I got into that. And I had actually trained some guys on the side, just helping them out before that. Um, and so, yeah, so that got me onto the to the end of the major leagues or the, the factory level. And so I started, and then from there I built a reputation working with him and started training other guys. And so it was really experience. It was funny. Sometimes I would have these interviews with new riders and on this side, they're, they're talking to this guy and he's like, well, I have, you know, this kinesiology degree and, and um, a major in sports science and, you know, all this. And they're like, okay. And they're like, what's your background? I'm like, well, I raced for 17 years, five professionally. Um, I did this. I worked with this writer, and this is the results they got. Oh, they're like, okay, so you get it. I want you. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> so uh, it's. Um, I worked at a home for disabled adults for five years, where they lived at the home. Adults with mm -hmm. like Down syndrome, autism, and it was like the same. I'm a, in the five years I worked there, there were eight adults there who lived there, and I would maybe two or three changed. So it was the same adults. But when I started there, I was the lowest guy in the totem pole making seven bucks an hour. When I finished, I was running the house. I had 20 people working for me yeah. and not a single professional, meaning someone with a psychology degree, uh, whether it was a, a bachelor's master's or a PhD would ever last more than a couple weeks yeah. because the working with that population, as opposed to just uh, being um, uh, book smart on it, what, 
not not even in the same world. It yeah. required such a, a, a serious level of discipline of acknowledging people and not their behaviors that if you yep. didn't have that discipline or that um, level of awareness of yourself, then you're screwed. They would eat you alive. Yeah. And, uh, it's more about reading the individual. Training. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. It's, it, it's, it's so, it's so, it's so interesting like that. Um, I, I was just listening to a doctor speak the other day. I was so happy to hear them say this. Doctors are not there. They, they are horrible at giving people risk assessment or risk management. That is not their fucking job. Their job is to say, Hey, um, you have a, um, you have the flu and these are the possible cures for it. Vitamin C seems to work the best. Um, you know, what this seems to work the worst you choose. Like I have, a, go ahead. I have, I have individuals that, you know, that reach out to me on Instagram or whatever, and I'll have questions and they're like, well, you know, I see you doing this or that. And I asked my doctor about it and they said, no, you can't do that. And I'm like, yeah, my doctor said the same thing. You know, everything that we do in CrossFit, we're not supposed to do. Right. Um, <laughs> so, it's just, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it's crazy. I appreciate their insight. I appreciate like um, uh, Sevan. Uh, so I'll, I could give you a story. So I was I was in I was in uh, India and I was in a slum that had two million people, and people can't even imagine that a slum with two million people. Anyway, and, and their slums there are clean. But, but, but basically everything's made out of cardboard and mud, but everything's organized and clean. And I'm there and I'm filming and I take a step backwards and I step on a dog and it bites me. Mm. And, and I'm there with some people and the doctor in the, in the slum, the, the head doctor of the slum says, hey, um, we have a massive rabies problem in India. You need to start the rabies protocol right away. And the guy, the guy who I'm there for working with, Vitamin Angels, Howard Schiffer, we were there taking vitamin A to malnourished children. And okay. And I was making a documentary on it. And he says to me, uh, yeah, you better you, – we got to start the protocol. And I'm like, whoa, 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 hold on a second. I go, uh, um, uh, you're saying rabies is a major problem in India? He goes, yeah. I go, how long have you been a doctor in this, in this area, in this slum? And he goes, 13 years. I go, okay. And um, how many uh, rabies cases have you seen in 13 years? He goes, uh, zero. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, like, uh, <laughs> don't make sense. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> but I went to Harvard, and they told me that my slum is a rabies problem. <laughs> right. Yeah. Dude. Dude. Yeah. Come on, man. You just give me give me the fucking numbers and let me do the math for myself. I'm like, like, right. give me, like, give me the numbers. And and of course 100%. I was I was of course I was fine. Totally my fault too. I stepped on the dog. I saw the dog was sleeping, and then I was filming. I was like, whatever you do, don't step on that dog. <laughs> <laughs> um, when you were wh- how how many laps into your race were you when you had your accident? Uh, it was the second lap. And did you was anything weird about that day? Anything that made you ha- have a premonition, possibly that something might go um, wrong? Um, n- no, not to that effect. I mean, it was any fight with we, your mom we, we shouldn't your dad, have been your girlfriend no we, we shouldn't have been racing no my wife had more of a premonition than i did mm. um she had the wedding the night before and she was supposed to help clean up all the next day and she got up in the morning and just had this uneasy feeling she was up in mccall idaho which is about two and a half hours away and she just looked at the the um the gals she was helping and she said i i don't know why but i got to get out of here she said i'm sorry to leave you high and dry but i just had this feeling i need to go home 
she thought it was our daughter. She was worried that something had happened to our daughter, and that's Good why she mama. had these feelings. Something and did so happen she, to your daughter. She took <laughs> off, and then yeah, as soon as she got, and you have to drive through the mountains, so she didn't have cell phone service for a couple hours. And as soon as she got into cell phone service, one of our friends had left her a message. Yeah, you need to come to the hospital. Something's happened to Jed. Um, yeah. So. Um. You you your your wife goes in there, and, and it's obviously you're hurt, and it's about you, but but. Uh, but she, how does she deal with that? Like her fucking dude is broken. Like how she does was she was awesome. She was awesome. Yes. She, my parents, my parents obviously grew up with me in the way I was. So they were very experienced, but um, she took control of the situation and um, you know, the way she, she had the right people around me that I needed. Um, even, even the fact that she kicked out my, my mom because she knew she would be emotional and it would affect me. So she's like, you need to not be here right now. Um, she brought in the right people. Um, there was one situation where at first they were going to, for my hip, they were going to take me to Salt Lake, kind of a funny story. And, and my dad is, is very much, um, of the mindset of you, like doctors have an education, but they don't know everything. And so you don't take everything they say for to heart. Like you kind of take it with a grain of salt. And so he was worried that he was just gonna, that the doctors were just going to push my wife around and what needed to be done with me. But um, I was supposed to have this hip surgery and they were going to take me to Salt Lake because they said nobody in Boise could do it. Um, and then all of a sudden they started prepping me for this surgery and they said, yeah, okay, we're going to go ahead and do the surgery on this hip. And my wife was like, whoa, 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 you said that you couldn't do this before. She said, literally, she said, I don't want a half-assed procedure done here. Like, and the doctor said, well, no, we thought it was his pelvis at first, but it turns out it's just his hip socket so we can fix it. And she was like, okay, but just the fact that she like took charge and didn't just be like, Oh, okay. I guess you're going to do it. Like, <laughs> yeah. so yeah, she was awesome. My, my, uh, my dad had this E. coli infection. This is like 15 years ago and he was in the hospital and they, and, and basically they couldn't, um, it started getting really bad. His fever was crazy. They took him into the hospital. He started having to spend the night there. They couldn't grow it in the culture. They couldn't like figure out what the fuck it was. They couldn't give him an antibiotic to fix it. And it started getting really, really scary. And then finally, after being there, I don't know, he was there for a lot of days, like seven or 13 days. Some they, they figured out what it was. And there was someone else on the East Coast. They found a doctor on the East Coast who had the same situation there with a client and they mm -hmm. whatever protocol they followed they they figured it out and uh and um and they it might what they did it to my dad and he was better that was also on a side note one of the things where i asked the doctor hey should my dad change his diet is there anything he should be eating while well, he has this infection that would help mitigate the uh the infection the doctor's like no absolutely not it's not food related at all fucking idiot <laughs> anyway so uh, um, what yeah here's your apple juice shut up We'll right. Put a teaspoon of sugar in it. Enjoy. <laughs> um, and so, I, I so about a year later, my dad got the same infection again, and I took him to the hospital. And they start this process of like trying to figure out what it is. And I stopped the doctor. I'm like, "Have you checked his record?" And he goes, "No." I'm like, "Well, will you go check his record and see what this this has happened before?" And they went and checked his medical record. And like, "Oh shit, it's this. It's this again." But they were gonna just take us down the fucking whole path again, and I'm not blaming them. But like, you have to be proactive and conscious at the hospital. Mm -hmm. Yep, hundred percent. It's a, it's it's the prison system. You'll just get yeah. in the revolving door, and they'll never let you go. Yeah. So you got to be, yeah, you got to be proactive. Um. Ha so when you when you when where does CrossFit um and and Jedediah's life um intersect? Uh, fairly quickly. So I actually started doing 
CrossFit in October of that same year that I got hurt in, in January. So about okay. 10 months later. Um, but I had started doing physical training in July of that year um, and putting my own workouts together. You showed some clips of those very early workouts where I was doing like the presses on the, the irrigation boxes and stuff like that. Um, fortunately, I had that back, that fitness background where I was, but I was trying to figure stuff out from a wheelchair. And um, I, and so I started looking for videos and whatnot. And I found YouTube videos of, of Kevin and, um, and then uh, Stouty with Wheelwad. And when I found those, because my initial reaction was I knew I was self-aware enough that when I got injured, I knew that to keep a positive mental health, I had to find something else to channel my competitiveness into. And so I was going to get into downhill mountain bike racing. Um, but I knew I had to rebuild myself in order to do that. So that was how, kind of wait, 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 wait. So, sorry. How would you do that without legs? Um, so they have, there's, there's two different styles of bikes. It's either like a tricycle low to the ground or like a quad um, bike. And uh, yeah, full You're suspension nuts, and they You're do. Nuts. Yeah. <laughs> My wife has always told me like you broke your back and I understand. And we move on with life. However, you go and you break your neck, I'm putting you in a home. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, so that was she, just, right? she dissuaded yeah. you from the downhill biking racing. Well, it just, I fell in love with CrossFit. So I okay. started using CrossFit and then that was in the end of 14 and then 15. Wheelwad decided to adapt the open and we were, I mean, it was very rudimentary. We were doing it on a spreadsheet and but Stouty was running it. And so I got involved in that and I did that. But as soon as I did that first open, it was like, oh yeah. This is where I'm supposed to be. This is my sport. Um, does yeah. does Wheelwad have a website? Yeah. Uh-huh. Just uh wheelwad.com. And and what tell me what is Wheelwad? So Wheelwad is basically CrossFit for the adaptive world. They were the ones that initially started a, a formal platform. There were others that were adaptive that were doing CrossFit before that, including Stouty, but then he created Wheelwad to get others involved and um, and really launch a platform where we could promote this and get and get more adaptives involved and really grow this side of the sport and, and it's divisions. And it's not just for sitters. I, I saw like someone was jumping right, right. with one arm. Yeah, essentially at th- this point there's 11 divisions, um, but eight eight main divisions and then 11 with the, you know, so the eight main would be like seated, upper, but then if you wanted, then there's subcategories of like seated with hip, seated without hip, upper with two points of contact, upper with one point of contact, it, it, where it breaks down that way. When do you become, when, when do you become like, so you're a competitor. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's pretty fucking obvious. When do you become annoyed with the fact that it's supposed to be this, um, I don't know what the word is. Um, like, like you're a competitor and you want this to be a, a serious competition. And there's yeah. some people who might see it as, is like, Hey, this is like some sort of like, just like things for people to go who, who don't look like, who don't, who don't move like other people. Is there any point where you're like, Hey, there's too many fucking divisions. Like, no, so, sorry, we're not doing that when there's only one of you. We're not doing the three toes missing division and, and, one, eye, and one, one eye. Like, no. So, yeah, that's, that's some of it. And, and, and are people cool? Like, do they get that? Like, I'm thinking of my, and I think about the transgender community all the time for that. I'm thinking to myself, like, if, if I'm a dude, if like, let's say I wanted to transition to a woman, 
Mm-hmm. I would then fucking like be like, okay, I'm in a really small percentage and I'm going to stay away from sports. I mean, easy for me to say my life's fucking easy. I don't have that. I'm just a fucking knucklehead with a dick. But I would like, I wouldn't want to like, like, when are you like, okay, there can't be the, the, the no arm blind division. <laughs> um, yeah. It's so you, you either pick one, right? So are you going to be in the vision division or are you going to be in the, the amputee division? Like, there's, right. There is some of that where there's multiple and they're like, okay, well, you just need to fit the one that, or is it neurological? And that's why you only really have use of one arm. So are you in the neuro, in the, um, you know, neuromuscular division or are you in the amputee? And it ah. just, it's, it, it comes down to your ability, right? And what's your true ability and how do you define what your ability is? Because that's the one thing that we try to, that's, and, and the sport has, it's still extremely small, right? I mean, extremely small. But it's gotten big enough that in 2020 is when they started separating these divisions where now there's two seated divisions because there was enough seated athletes that it got to be where, you know, I'm constantly getting beat, but it's by guys with with use of their hips. So it's like, are we truly measuring fitness or are we measuring ability? And so that's where that started to kind of if there was enough numbers in certain situations, they started to divide because we really want to test fitness here. We don't want to test ability. And then some of the competition. Say that last and, sentence again, Jedediah. We want to test. Say that last we sentence. We want again. to test fitness. We don't want to test ability. Yes. Yes. Okay. And and it's not a, uh, uh, it, 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 correct me if I'm wrong, and it's not a fucking charity. No. Yeah. No. And that's one of the things like, that I really try and push. Um, and that's why I don't know if you've noticed, like, so I've had some interaction with some games athletes in trying to educate the public and to be, to be honest, I'm trying to educate CrossFit because I think there are several at CrossFit HQ that don't have a clue what we're doing. And they think we're a charity or they think that we're scaled athletes that are just trying to do our best. And it's hard because our sport is still very small, right? Very it's like small. the numbers very, are very, very small, very, very small, not just, but not the, just, the, not just the, your division, but the whole entire thing is small. Yeah. It's just, and it's just spread out really wide, but it's tiny. It's a shallow exactly. Pool. Exactly. And, and so while the numbers are small, the percentages are the same. Um, you know, Wait, the top, what, do you, what do you mean by that? What do you mean by the that? top, the top 1%? Um, we are elite athletes. The way we train and the work we put in is no different. I'm no different ability wise, um, as far as measuring fitness than Justin or Noah or these or Bethany, these other uh, games athletes that I've worked with, like the work I put in and what I can do physically, um, fitness wise, I'm no different than they are. And that's not to, to, to take anything away from them and their capabilities or mine. It's just different. You know, I've, I've had, I've had interaction with Noah where I've had him do seated workouts. I've had, I had Justin come over to my garage because we live in the same city and I, and he went through a full seated session. And afterwards he was like, he couldn't touch my time for the workout. And he was like, that was brutal. He was like, I thought it, you know, he it had a 150 meter skier and that's where he really was like blown away. See, like 150 meters is nothing. Right. But his pace fell off 10 seconds in doing 150 meters. And he was like, Holy crap. Because the amount of delta I had to activate. Can't use his legs. Right. Right. And, and even just the range of motion was different because he has to go out around the chair with the ski. Right. And so uh, he's activating his delts more than he would if he was standing. And he's like, they blew up. And so it's, but it's the same, right? Like if I started walking tomorrow, I'm not all of a sudden going to be a games athlete because now I have to train in a completely different way. Um, it's just different. 
and and that's really the message that I'm trying to say. Like, yes, we may be small, but what we do at the top is the same. <laughs> like, you know, there's this phrase, adaptive is not equal to scaling. And it's trying to really send that home that there may only be a few of us in each division that are capable of that. But what we do is gnarly <laughs> for who we are. Um, I watched Justin do say say that afterwards too. He was talking about it on an interview with the people of Palooza, and you could genuinely tell, like his whole pers- perspective of everything was completely changed after doing doing that stuff with you. Yeah, and that's why I wanted to get him involved at Wadapalooza because he had already I'd already put him through a full workout session at home, mm-hmm. so I knew he got it. It wasn't like yep. this. Oh, hey, good for you. It was like, yep. no, these guys are legit, and you're gonna want to watch this and be a yeah. part of it. <laughs> and, and what's interesting too is after he did your workout, he's fitter. Meaning, mm-hmm. it's, the sure. same, it's the example would be jumping pull-ups. Um, just because you can do sixty unbroken pull-ups doesn't mean that if you did a really hard jumping pull-up workout, you wouldn't be fitter. Jumping pull-ups are fucking a a, a beast of their own. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, hundred percent. Well, it's just like people underestimated the wall walk when it came out last right. year, right? Like, right. oh, wall walk, that's lame. It's like, yeah, I I knew it from the minute I heard it. Like, yeah, you do those in this type of workout, that's gonna blow you up. And and people were humbled. Like, have, have you seen? Go ahead. I was just gonna say, just because it's a simple movement doesn't mean it's not tough in the right context. Right. Um, have you seen wheelchair tennis at the highest level? Uh huh. It's fucking nuts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the 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 chair skills involved in that, both them and basketball players, like the ability to maneuver in their chairs and manipulate a chair the way they can, is. I, my hat's off to those guys because I would get owned. Yeah, the the I watched on um, wheelchair tennis for the first time. I can't remember. Uh, it was wherever Jovic played last, and it was on before he came out. And they get two bounces, and it is absolutely nuts. I tr- I want to get one of those dudes on the podcast. It is some crazy, crazy. Uh, it I, I, I honestly I have no I have really no interest in in sports without um, able bodied people until I saw that. But but I would have never watched that if I wasn't waiting for the main guys to come on. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And and, and to give water pollute like I have no interest in watching the old people work out or the or the non able bodied people work out. But then like I watched someone like um uh, uh Logan Aldridge a couple of years ago. I just happened to catch him at water watching some footage of Wadapalooza, and I watched him work out, and I'm like, holy shit! Yeah, <laughs> like this is worth watching. This is nuts. Yeah. Um, and there is that there are those two sides to the sport, right? There's there's someone like Justin who everyone wants to watch, but then there's there's people who would be in chairs who are doing. I'm trying to think of the exact way you worded it, but basically you're at the top of your game of anyone in a chair, whether they're able bodied or not. They can't do what you can do unless they tr- unless they get to the top of that kind that that sport I, right. I, I wonder is it important that people respect it is it important that people like i i don't i it's not it's not so much it, it's important they respect it it's important that they understand it so they import what yeah, we're trying to yeah, build yeah it's, yeah it's the thing is how did, how did crossfit grow right like people have different opinions but and mine might be skewed because i have a sports background but sports is what drives attraction to, to certain um methodologies or certain um uh things right like the nfl football didn't grow to what it was without the nfl and people right. watching it and wanting to emulate it whether they ever get to that level or not that's essentially what 
drives them is wanting to be like those guys that are the elite of that sport. CrossFit was no different. When the games really started to get attention, that's what grew CrossFit because people wanted to emulate what those top high level individuals were doing. And so my main thing is if people understand it and understand what we're doing and we can get more on those stages and have that kind of um, appearance, then it will grow the sport and it will grow the health benefits and the health factor of just getting more people in the gym because maybe they don't ever get to that competition level, but they want to emulate it. And so they, it's what drives them to want to get in the gym. Hey, I, are, are there any able-bodied people who compete in and in not in, in like the wheel, like in, in the wheel division? No. No, could, could you? Could you? No, you're not allowed. To. Um, that was like if they some found of the out your legs work, they'd be like, ah. Uh-uh. Yeah, that was some of the misunderstanding with the open last year. They had people that had like knee surgeries or whatnot, and, and so they couldn't <laughs> do it normal. So they joined our divisions and trying to compete. Like there was one time That's that was insane awesome. on the first workout, <laughs> and I started looking, and it was yeah, a gentleman that had knee surgery, and he thought, well, I'll just do the seated division this year, oh, <laughs> and it was like. But they sifted through it, you know, and they weed them, weeded them out. It was just a misunderstanding, miseducation. Yeah, I'm not hating on it. I'm not hating yeah. on it. I think that, I think that, yeah, I'm not hating on it. I think it's cool. Hey, yeah, I, God, as weird as it sounds, I wonder if that's what it takes to push that um, – to, to, to push to, to, to make that – if you wanted to make that mainstream, you'd have to make that concession. There, It's weird certain sports. Like for me um, – it go years. Some years I enjoy the women's competition more in CrossFit, and some years I enjoy the men's competition more. In the last couple mm-hmm. of years, I've enjoyed the women's competition more. Track and field, like when I see it in the Olympics, I, I like watching the women a little bit more than the men. I don't know why. Um, basketball, I enjoy the men more. Um, if I watch basketball, I enjoy men's basketball more than women. It's it's, it's interesting. I use that as the example. Um, uh, so it's 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 interesting what you would need to do I, I i hear what you're saying um about it being respected or at least understood or not respected but understood mm-hmm. um but it would be interesting to see i would be curious what it would take to draw more eyeballs to it are there any what's the biggest um what do you call it non-abled sport in the world like s- sport with uh non-abled bodies is that what uh, you call it i'm trying to use your, your adaptive or whatever adaptive. yeah okay adaptive um, athletes Ah, that's a good question. I don't, I don't know. I would guess basketball or, or wheelchair rugby, um, would be, would be my guess, but I, I honestly don't know. I mean, there's, you know, there's a, there's a high level of Paralympians, you know, multiple different Paralympic sports. And so, but basketball is one of those. So yeah, I, I would guess basketball or, um, or wheelchair rugby is probably the biggest. One of those um, two. Could you ever have prosthetics, or you can't because your hip? No, I well, I I wouldn't need them. I couldn't. I couldn't. Um, I couldn't functionally make them work exactly. Okay. 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 And and why keep the legs then? Uh, blood flow. Ah. Mm. Um. Yeah. No reason to fuck with the like like because it's it's still you want to keep the piping all consistent with yep. just the way the regular human body would work. Yep. Yep. Um, um, I thought you were going to say something else like, fuck that. Would you get rid of your legs? And I would be like, no, I, I hear you. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you never know what's going to happen down the road, right? There are guys that randomly like, you know, you never know what God has in store. So <laughs> that's right. Um, what, what is your, what is your, uh, oh, do they, do they drug test you guys? 
uh, CrossFit did at the games last year with the, the three divisions that competed there. I know they hmm. did. Yeah. Uh, has anyone popped yet in, in, in the adaptive class? Um, That's there was, you guys will know you've made it. <laughs> <laughs> so there was, a, there was one, but the guy had a TUE, um, or T however he had, he had an agreement because it was a prescribed thing because of his disability that he had to, and I don't know what it was, or I know any of the details. That's basically as much as I've heard and know. So it is, it is a little bit more of a unique touchy thing because of disabilities. People have, you know, required medications or whatnot that they have to take for their condition that, but because, but because of their disability, it doesn't give them any, any advantage. It's literally trying to maintain you know, a, a sustainable homeostasis for them. So, yeah. Um, do you do outreach to people who, um, have, who are, who, who are now going through like a guy who got hit, let's say he was in a car accident yesterday and then they'll be like, Hey, Jedediah, will you talk to this guy? Will you visit yep. this guy in the hospital or and do you do that? Yep. Yep. hundred percent. And is there a protocol you use or you just wing it? Based on um, it's usually a DM through Instagram and somebody tells me their story and I can relate to them. And sometimes I reach out and it's just a, Hey, I'm here for you. If you need anybody or have any questions and sometimes it's more relatable. And so it's like, Hey, you know, I, I understand what you're going through. Here's some things that, I, you know, it just depends on the individual and the situation. And what, what's the, what's the lowest you've been? Have you ever thought about ending your life? No. I've honestly been, I've honestly been very accepting of this just because, um, uh, it, it's a long story, but you talk about, you know, Zach and what he said is like, well, be careful what you pray for. Well, I had this situation that I, I have a deep faith and, um, I had, you know, I had been going through this situation where I was struggling with my faith and I had, I was asking for opportunity to, to show audacious faith. It, it had to do with the whole, um, study I was going through. And so I started praying for these opportunities to have audacious faith, um, which is basically to say that, that I wanted to show a faith that of something that would blow people's minds that they were like, that's not physically capable or that there's, that's not, you know, if you think of things on an earthly presence, you just don't think that's possible, but, but God has more power than we have. So I started praying for that opportunity. And so when I got paralyzed, I instantly knew that, I don't think God caused my accident, but I, but he gave me the, the, the opportunity to use it to show audacious faith. So honestly, I was accepting an okay of my accident right away where I was like, okay, this is my opportunity. This is where God wants me. And that's what I'm going to do. In fact, it got to the point to where at times it frustrated me where people were like, you know, you just, you just need to stay positive. You need to believe that you can walk again. Um, if you keep working at this, you're going to be you're going to be okay. You know, that there, there was this idea that success was going to be like, if I could, if I could keep this mentality of, I will walk again one day. And to be honest, that freaking pissed me off because I was like, no, I was like, God put me in a wheelchair for a reason. I know I'm going to do great things and show that whether I can walk in again or not, that's not the end all of end all. It's what I do with my life with whatever happens to me. That's the end all of end all. And so that's kind of been my mission. Hey, that's some fucking asshole shit to say to someone. 
Was that was that were those people in a wheelchair who told you that they better? No, be. no, it was That's it was people that had to tell that. someone like fuck you, you fuck you. <laughs> but <laughs> their their intentions were right, right? They were trying know, to keep me motivated like, in a like, positive attitude. But mm-hmm. it's like, hey, just because you feel uncomfortable, don't project that shit onto me. How about you just get a big old dose <laughs> shut the fuck up and let me just deal with this? I mean, yeah. if you had that attitude, you're like, dude, I'm gonna walk no matter what again. I would get behind it, but I wouldn't present that to you and project that onto you. It's your trip. It's your fucking trip. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy. It, 100%. It, they're almost like setting up for success. Um, tell me, so I, faith is a really interesting word. Yeah. You, 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 my words, not yours, but you're saying at some point in your life, your faith was waning. When I think of my faith, I, it's weird. It doesn't work like that. It's not even built on anything. It just is. I can't see it waning or growing. I mean, sometimes I become aware of it, like hyper aware of it. What do you mean that like you felt so, like you needed it to be tested? Is that what happened to Job? He had his faith tested? Is that that's what that whole story is? 100%. Okay. Um, I think it was, yeah, it was. God, it was, I just want to say right now, God, I, please do not test mine. I'm good. Yeah. I'm, I'm good. <laughs> it was. It was more, it was more like, what's my role? Like, why, why do I, what am I doing with this? And, and what purpose am I serving type situation? Right. Right. And I wanted to be more than I thought I could be. Right. Yeah. Since your accident, do you feel more fulfilled in that duty now than you ever did before? hundred percent. hundred percent. Yeah. That's awesome. God, yeah. That's Cause so that was the question I was going to have about the uh, mental side of it and acceptance and the answer. And then obviously we, we landed on that without asking the question, but the answer you gave was anything way better than I could imagine you would have said. So that, that's really, that's really cool. Um, I, uh, Drew, please do not interrupt our conversation when it's something so beautiful and deep. Oh, you want to buy a shirt? Never mind. Feel free to interrupt all you want. This is a large, <laughs> I always wear a large, I cannot, I got, I got big old titties <laughs> and I got, and I got, and I got broad shoulders and I can't, and, I, and I'm kind of chubby and I can't have this shit like making me look like I'm a C cup. My boys are always doing God, why do you have such big boobs? And I just can't, I just, I just, you don't want this medium. No, no. I mean, if I'm like really sucked down, if I can get down to like one fifty, which is like, I don't know if I'll ever do that again. Yes, I would do it just to, because it would make my arms look bigger. But um, I, if you're five eight, one eighty five, I think you're large. I, um, yeah, that'd uh, probably work. Larger, large. Yeah. I'm I, right now. I'm I'm five five and about one seventy. Yes, barbelljobs.com. Get a job. Get a job. Um, is is your is your is your wife when when you married when you married your wife was um. Or when you met your wife, were you guys? Did you guys have the same faith, the same belief, the same? Were you on the same page with with your God? Yes. It, it, was that a prerequisite? Um, I don't know that it was a prerequisite, but it definitely makes um, makes life easier if you know we have the same mindset. Yeah. And we wouldn't we wouldn't have made it through this without the with two different mindsets, you know. Oh. Yep. yep. Um, and because, because it's, it's a test of her faith too. It's a test. Mm -hmm. She's, she's being tested also Mm -hmm. just as much as I am. And people, and that's another thing people don't see or realize that, you know, it impacted her and has affected her life just as much as it has mine. If not, I just keep, I just keep thinking about your daughter. Mm -hmm. Just like, yeah, just, just like it, it, um, I mean, in the end, obviously, of course, it'll make her a stronger person, 
and five's not a bad age for that to happen. Six, seven, eight, nine. All the every year you went up further, it would I think it would have been more traumatic. Sure. And, and your mom, how did your mom handle it? And your dad? She, because they, they were pretty good because I have a history, right? Like, so I made my first trip. I was a, a crazy, reckless kid. And so the amount of trips I made to the emergency room, I mean, out, outside of even motocross racing, like, you know, there was a time where my mom was taking me to the emergency room. I don't even remember for what. It's probably a concussion or something where the nurse looked at her and said, you realize he, you had him here exactly one year ago to date. And my mom was like, okay, makes sense. Sounds about right. Like well, you got a lunch card for your visits. They're like, Oh, one yeah. more this next visit's free. Exactly. Exactly. So it was not a shock that this type of thing happened to me in my life. My wife always jokes that I've, I'm a cat. Right. And that I've literally, I've had, I can account for times I should have been dead already. And wow. so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm on life eight or nine right now. And, and and I'm sure you've thought before how you would feel if this happened to your daughter. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, how, would, and how would you feel? Um, it would be worse. It would be worse than if it happened to you. Right. I mean, can correct. you imagine what your parents went through? Correct. Correct. I, I even think about the situation of my spouse, you know, like, it, you know, would I rather my wife be in this situation and I take care of her or whatever. And, and knowing what I go through, I would just rather it be me. Yeah. Isn't that fascinating? It's like, not what you would think prior to the accident. Right, <laughs> you know? right, 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 right. And, and, um, uh, wow. I, I don't think the world works like this, but think of it like, you know, I mean, there could be, I don't know. Now I'm getting weird, but an alternate reality where this happened to your daughter and you prayed to the heavens and said, God, please reverse this and make it happen to me. He says, your wish is my command and your daughter's to rewind the shit. Now it's you. I mean, if you think of it like that, like, yeah, no, duh, this has to happen to me. This can't happen to my wife, my mom, my dad, or my daughter. Yeah. I cannot allow this. Yeah. And, um, as you get old, as you get older, do you see your how 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 do you see this? Like I see, uh, how old are you? You're forty two. Yeah. As you get older, how how do you see yourself? Um, do you find it more important to take care of your body more than ever because you need these two more than ever? Yeah, a hundred percent. Well, and it's just, I mean, it's it's aside from being a you know, you think about it in terms of able body and being a games athlete and the physical things that you can do compared to others, but you know, that's going to go away someday. Right. And you're going to live more of a normal life. And so like some of the things that I get away with and some of the things that I do from a wheelchair, you know, situations like being here in Mexico, like there is no such thing as an accessible room in Mexico. Like I'm using a freaking, <laughs> I'm using a freaking patio chair for a shower chair right. and so the, the situations that I maneuver um, and can get away with because of my fitness, um, there's a realization that that won't last forever and that we right. either have to like cater our travel and what we do more to accessible situations or, you know, one of my favorite memories was uh, the year after my accident, we took a cruise to Alaska and uh, you start looking at the excursions on the different things and the accessible ones are extremely lame. I um, mean, you know, it's, it's a, it's a three hour tr train ride. It's a, 
you know, it's like, I just sat on a plane why, or sat on a boat. Why do I want to sit on a train for three hours? Like um, stuff like that. And I was like, I don't want to do any of that. And then we went to a, we were in Ketchikan and we went to a discovery center and there was like a, a film on the Bush pilots, like a 15 minute documentary. And I watched that and I looked at my wife and I said, that's what I want to do. Oh and yeah. I saw you in the plane. Yeah. And so we went down there and it's not accessible, right? So we just started talking to pilots. Hey, would you take me up on a plane if I could get into it? Well, we were not really built. You know, finally, I found this one plane that was just a couple. Um, it's him and his wife. And he said, if you can get on the plane, I'll take you. It's a, wa- and, it was a water plane, right? Yeah, yeah. And so we get on the dock, and it's a two-foot drop down to the platoon. Um, it's a foot and a half from there over to the ladder, and it's just this little metal ladder to get up into the thing. And we're like, okay, how are we going to do this? And I said, do you load cargo on the plane? And he said, yeah. And I said, what do you use to load cargo? And he says, well, I have this ramp. I said, get the ramp. And so I lowered myself onto the dock, and I just literally climbed up, scooted up this ramp into the plane. And, uh, yeah, and that was one of the best things ever. And, you know, that was not accessible but because of what I do fitness wise and my abilities, like I made it work. And so things like that. <laughs> I, I haven't been to Disneyland, but every, for the last like 10 years, people who go there tell me, Sevon, you better not go there. Your head's going to explode. And the reason why they say that is because there's just people in fucking wheelchairs everywhere who Scooters. are not. Yeah. And scooters because not because um, they've had a motorcycle accident, but because they've spent too much time in the buffet line, which is yep. just insane to me. And I wonder if um, in the in the aggregate and the big picture, if those people are making your plight more difficult or easier, because on one hand, it makes the world a little more wheelchair accessible. But on the other hand, it makes people like think that if you're in a wheelchair, like, like the, the vast majority of people I see in handicap spots are obese. Yeah. And, and, and I don't accept that. I don't I, I, I don't accept that at all. I don't yeah, think it things easier for people because it makes it makes the world codependent. My biggest thing perception wise is it bothers me to be lumped with those people. Yeah. Because I'm like, I use the handicap spot because I need the extra spot space to get my wheelchair out. Yeah. I don't mind pushing my ass across the parking lot from the back. You need to be able to open. But your I door. can't I can't open my door if I park yeah. back there. What's your yeah. excuse? Like yeah. you need yeah. to park in the back. Yeah. And start walking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what should be in the back, doesn't it? <laughs> right. Do you know, are you familiar with Kyle Maynard? Uh-uh. You know who that is? He, he, um, he used to own a CrossFit gym. He has, um, he has no arms and no legs. Extremely fit. He was a wrestler. He even had an MMA fight. Um, but one of the things he said, which I thought was fascinating, I've told the story a bunch of times, but I just love it so much. Um, he, he went to, uh, the wounded, he spoke at wounded warriors and he gets up in front of them and it's a room full of dudes with missing body parts, right? Legs mm-hmm. and eyes and hands and feet and just everything missing. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it looks like a bunch of Mr. Potato heads and, uh, that the cat got. And, uh, he says, I feel sorry for you guys. And the room gets quiet. And he goes, because I was born like this. I don't know any better. But to have that shit taken away from you, man, that must suck. And it was it's such a uh, – its wow. no one else could ever say that to them, right? Sure. No one – it's a right. dude with no <laughs> arms and no legs saying he feels sorry for you. And I'm like, wow. Holy yeah. shit. What like a powerful moment. Like, yeah. yeah. He, you should look the dude up. He's a great guy. He's so yeah. awesome. Yeah. Yeah, he's a great guy. Um, so, so, so as you get old, so we all head to decrepitude, right? Whether you're 
um, uh, no matter what, we all had to decrepitude, but, it, but yours at 70, because you don't have legs, like you were saying, your shit might get a little more difficult than mine. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so do you start, do you have an exit strategy for how hard you're pushing your body now at all? Like, yeah, I'm and already, I say that cause I have kids and I'm like, Hey, like I need to, I can't be like throwing my back out doing heavy deadlifts ever again, the rest yeah. of my life. It's definitely t- uh, my training um, has tailored because of my age and because of my prior um, abuse of my body with motocross and, and, you know, what my shoulders have already been through and whatnot. Um, CrossFit definitely helps me maintain health. There's this idea that others that, that are ignorant to the sport, you know, but have abused your, they've been in wheelchairs and they've abused their shoulders over life because there's this idea that, you know, they, a lot of the stuff they do, they do unconditioned and they do cold. And, and so they put this extreme wear and tear, pulling themselves up into big pickups or, you know, different stuff like that on their body. And so they pay for it later. But the difference is with CrossFit, it's there, there's a whole system to it, right? Like you proper warming up proper, you know, their proper maintenance to where you're, you're, you're taking the right steps along with that load to condition your body to handle it. Um, but you know, you get to a certain point where volume wise and from prior, scar tissue injuries and tendonitis where I've had to like, and, and just recovery abilities, you know, it's, it's, my program looks more like, you know, Samantha Briggs now, um, where, you know, I, I do only so much and, and then I have to take more breaks, um, within my training cycle and whatnot to be able to maintain the load, uh, without just flaring up tendonitis or, or other things that way. Um, can you, sh- um, do you, did I send you the email Sousa with the videos from his Instagram? Do you see the one with the there's there's one that says um the hundred pound D ball. Do you are do you still mess around with muscle ups, Jedediah? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You do. Man, that's nut that's nuts you do those on your shoulders. Uh and, and do you see the hundred pound D ball? I can pull it up if you can't, Susa. I got it. Yeah, just take okay. it a second to load here. This is I, I mean, I, you do this so easy. I don't even know how you're doing this. I mess around with D balls a lot, and this is nuts. Do you know what I'm talking about? Where you're you're rolling a yeah. hundred pound D ball. You're like, is that really hard? You make that look so easy. Um, it's just like anything else. It's just practice and um, you know, learning. A lot of it is core. Um, I've really focused on building my core, like especially a lot of uh, wheel athletes, like they do it. Um, they, they rely on their arms too much, even with their lifts and stuff. And I really like, okay, how many muscle groups do I have? And how many muscle groups can I incorporate in one movement? And um, just taking the time to, as much as I can build all those, you know, really build my core. And I think motocross again, helped me with that because, because motocross was so core dependent that I understood that the, the, strength, the more I can strengthen my core, both front and back, the better I can be at a lot of different things. So you're contracting your stomach there. You're consciously contracting your yeah. stomach muscles in your core. The biggest thing I'm, the biggest thing I'm struggling with is, is you can't really tell, but that's a tapered driveway. Yeah. So you notice yes. like I keep, I keep rolling every time I try to pick it up and yeah. I lose my balance. <laughs> um an, an, another another fascinating move that that i liked were, were um were these uh uh this i think it's the floor to chair with the vest do you see that one suit oh yeah yeah this is nuts this is nuts do you see that floor to chair with the vest on 
Hold on. Yes, hold on. I love your expression on your face in this one. Like, oh, shit, that was hard. Is that a, like... It's a very gymnastics... Uh, it's like doing muscle-ups with a, with a vest or heavy weight. How often do you practice this right here? Um, or do you lot. not even have to practice this? Is this just your everyday life? Is this happening? No, no, because that's a high transfer. And especially for me, because of my fused hip, I normally transition into my chair differently, more from a, a front point where I get over the chair and then swing my hips. I push up and swing my hips into it. So doing it from this type of position is extremely hard for me because um, my hip fights me. It, it's, 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 it's all you, it's kind of like using your arm to jump up and then your other arm to pull at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. And hey. trying to swing your hips. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and what's to stop that chair from coming back over on you? What's keeping that chair down? Uh, it's the, it's, um, like that wheelie propor- bar in the front. Yeah. It's proportions where the, the weight, the it's stable because of how the, the wheels are dispersed. Yeah. It's nuts. Is that, so when you wake up in the morning, you, you, you roll out of bed and do you go to the floor or do you go to uh, straight to it into a chair? Um, so I go, I transition into, I had a therapy table built. Uh-huh. So it's a table with a memory foam top that has vinyl stretched over it. And it's like a three by six. And I do like all my stretching and everything from that. No, but, but I mean, I'm just trying to figure out your routine in the morning. Like you wake up, you're in bed. Like yeah. I get up and I just run over to the bathroom or I turn on the coffee machine. Yeah. Like you, um, you get out and you, I, just, and you get into a chair or you go onto the floor. I get into my chair, but from there, my first stop is my therapy table to stretch out because I got extremely tight laying in bed all night. Just right away. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I wonder, I bet you most people don't do that who are in your situation. I don't know. They probably just deal with fucking the tightness and just just slowly their life becomes more and more fucked up. Yeah. I mean, whether you're able-bodied or not. I mean, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, just like yeah. just people just not taking care of their body. Well, uh, thank you for coming on. It's, it, it was great talking to you. Congratulations. Yeah, my pleasure. Who's the fittest seated guy in the world? So in the without hip division, that would be me. Um, in the with hip division, that would be Tommy Osga, who is an incredible athlete. Tommy Osga. And did you get that title at the games? Wheelwad games. Wheelwad games. We, and they did not. They did not have any division for us other than the open. And um, so, does that our, piss you off, fitness, or are you cool with that? Uh, there was some. There was some uh, therapy to just accepting it and and um moving on but um wheel Watt has done an incredible job of creating a a true test of fitness for us and um so yeah that's awesome did you see that changing um does the game not in the next few years to be honest yeah Yeah. i i don't think it's room i think it's uh i think honestly it's it's a education thing it's it's uh really understanding and being able to build a true test i don't think they want to half-ass it um and so I think they're more reserved to really do it until they know they can do it right. The games people, the, the CrossFit games. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, from my from the years I worked at CrossFit, if, when CrossFit doesn't do something, it, it's mm-hmm. strictly a re- like th- 
at least when I was there, it's very much, they, they want to make everyone happy. It's just yeah. all, it's like what you said, they want to do everything right. And it's just resources. Right. And so correct. it's so hard. It's so interesting too. You sound so sober and it's good that, and, and, and kind about it. Getting upset at those people or like when I see people like so many people, I, I hear this like protest, like the documentaries are making money. They should pay the athletes or Noble should be giving the athletes money for T-shirts. And just the approach, it's like, dude, like it's not like that. This this perception. It's all just people here. This perception that yeah. there's this corporate juggernaut that's like taking advantage of people or hurting people or like, man, Perfectly. like if you if you saw how hard Heber and Marzen work on these documentaries. You would yeah. say no, no at people. At, you would say the athletes. It's just perspective. You would say the athletes should be giving them money, right? Right. Not fucking them sharing the money. Fucking yeah. he has to leave his fucking kids to fucking travel around the world to film your ass work out. <laughs> well, what they've done to show light and education on the sport overall is huge. It's just like when that documentary came out on Netflix for F one. You know, the drive to survive and what it did for that sport. Yeah. Um, the more people that understand it and are educated, like that's what they've done for CrossFit is they've given that kind of behind the scenes light on it to where more people understand it and have a better education on it now. And so they're more into it. Yeah. And speaking along those lines real quick before we take off here, I own a, uh, I own a CrossFit gym and um, also for, for others as well. Is there anything that I should be thinking about to making the gym um, more open because it's already accessible. I have the ramps. I have all the uh, yeah. protocol in the bathroom. I have the the desk as situated, the front desk situated, so it's it's accessible. But is there anything else that myself or other gyms should be thinking about to make sure that we're accessible for any seated athletes that want to come into the gym or just anybody in general? Adaptive. I think, I think outside of being accessible, I think it's just understanding the resources and just knowing. So when somebody comes in, you're not hesitant to be like, uh, I hope I can help you. Like if there's not answers that if there's things that you don't know, like wheelwad myself, like there's individuals that are great resources and we want to see the sport grow. So we're more than happy to answer any questions or guide you because every person is different, right? There's a T12. You can't just look at me and go, Oh, well this T12 does this. And it's like, well, yeah, but it took me five years to get there. And this is where I started. So you're not going to know that until you just start working with them. And then if you're not sure you ask somebody. Right. And so it's just, it's just really being open and understanding what the resources are to reach out to. Awesome. Thank Uh, you. And and I'd say this too, uh, um, any, anyone who is like, whatever, whether you're uh, 200, thanks, Sam, that's fucking crazy. Thank you so much. You don't even, I don't think you guys realize how much the money helps by the way. I need to do a whole episode on that. Um, uh, um, it's very generous. Um, if you're a hundred pounds overweight or you're in a wheelchair or you're fucking blind or you're old and you go to a gym and it doesn't feel like a right fit or they're not like, just call them out on it. Be like, Hey, I don't feel comfortable here. And then, and then, and then see if they're like, Oh, I'm so sorry. That's fucked up. Like I was just tripping. Like people, like people trip. People don't like, it's okay that someone trips on you if you're in a wheelchair, if you're fat or you're old, give them a chance to unfuck themselves. Be like, Hey, it's cool. Like I know, I know I have one leg and I'm 70, but like work with me, work with me, make it work. You have to break the ice too. But if they still can't get their fucking head wrapped around you, switch gyms. It's okay. This able-bodied individuals do that. Do that. Say that again. Yes. I said able-bodied individuals do that. You you, you either fit in here or you don't. And then you find in, you find out where you do fit in. Yes. Mm -hmm. So don't, don't (laughs) use that as an excuse to stop the the community. The people who do CrossFit, the vast majority of them um, are, are, are overachievers, perfectionists, people who take personal accountability and personal responsibility. Mm -hmm. And, and, and they will want to go out of their way to, um, 
they'll be up for the challenge of working with you. If they're not, no big deal. Move on to the next one. No one gives a shit. That's the hardest thing you have to understand. I may be tripping when I walk in the gym and I'm like, whoa, who's this dude in the wheelchair next to me working out? The second it's three, two, one, go, nobody's tripping. No. Nope. And when the workout's over, nobody's tripping. Everyone's like nope. high-fiving, happy. It is The tripping is so short. No one cares after the go. And then you'll never have to do that again. You just have to get through it once. And the next time I see Jedediah in my gym, I won't be tripping on who's this dude in the wheelchair. I'll just walk over to him and say, what's up, dude? Let's get it today. And he'll do the same to me and it's done. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that I think people in my situation underestimate is – the um not only the the physical health benefits but the mental health benefits of getting involved in crossfit and the social aspect that a lot of these individuals like my in my situation don't have in their life they live very isolated and don't have that kind of supportive community and when you get involved in crossfit that's huge for mental health is to have that kind of community to be able to that outlet um, to socially rely on you know that's interesting too. You walk. You're the guy who, if you're the guy who walks around if, in the wheelchair all day, you have to know that the whole fucking world is projecting onto you some sort of like fucking bullshit pity story. That poor guy. I wonder what happened. That's the guy in the wheelchair. And people avoid what they don't know. You go to a CrossFit gym, and you're just normal. Yeah. Maybe not the first day. Maybe not the second day. But after, ah, probably second day. As soon as people work out with you, you're normal. And that's got to be great for your mental health. Because you are normal and it's just people are confused by your fucking chair or your prosthetic or whatever it is. And you need to be around people who would like could give two shits. They just want to beat you in a workout. (laughs) 100%. 100%. Yeah, it's a huge – it's a um, non-scene – the the, the projection of other human beings. Yeah. Yeah. You you must always feel like you – especially being kind of as gregarious as you are, you you're probably like breaking through that wall with people just fucking by the dozens every day, huh? Like you have to be extra break that ice and be like, Hey, look, I'm just normal. Like you have to get them over there. Like not discomfort, but it's, um, the unknown of your wheelchair. Correct. Yeah. Well, and there's been people that, yeah. And it's just, it's an education. One of my favorite stories was the original CrossFit um, box that I used to attend. Um, the owner's son who was like eight or nine at the time, um, Frank told me a story where they were in the grocery store with his son and his son's and his son's buddy. So his son's name is Charlie and Charlie had a buddy there and they're in the grocery store and they see a guy in this wheelchair and Charlie, Charlie's buddy goes, Oh man, that's sad. I feel bad for that guy. And th- mind you, this is after like attending the CrossFit gym for a year where he's around me every day. And Charlie looks at his buddy and goes, why he can do anything we can do. Yeah. And it was just as, and Frank thought that was the best because it was just this whole different perception of what other people thought of people in a wheelchair because of what he experienced with me every day in the gym. It's like, I don't do anything different than anybody else. Like just live life. (laughs) That kind of feigned kindness or caring is something in the last five or six years of my life that I've really, really um, transcended. I I, I I don't mean to be uh, mean, but um, feeling sorry for someone is like one of the worst things you could do to another human being. It is it is extremely yep. malicious. Yeah, it is extremely malicious. There's there was a, a you, you, I have kids and uh, we were at the beach. I don't know six months ago, and there was a guy sitting there, and he only had one leg, and he was like thirty, and my kids were just staring at him, staring at him, staring at him. And I'm finally, I'm like, Hey dude, you've crossed the mark of staring. Now you got to go over and talk to him. 
My yeah. Older boys like what? I'm like, go it's like you're tripping on he's missing a leg, right? He's like, Yeah, I'm like, go talk to him, ask him what happened. <laughs> That's awesome. And, and, and my son went over there and he's like, Well, you know, like you know, and it's the same with dogs. Like when they say see a three legged dog, they're like, Yeah, I'm like, dude, just go ask the owner what happened. Like it's like yep. no one wa- no one's no one's avoiding no one no one thinks it's weird except everyone the guy doesn't think it's weird, it's his life. Right, exactly. And, and if he does if you go over and ask him what happened, he tells you to fuck off, so what? Then you just fuck off. But <laughs> yeah. He's not going to. He's gonna be so yeah. happy that you said, Hey, what happened? Where's your leg? I mean, you're a fucking yep. kid. You never seen no one without a leg. Yeah. hundred percent. hundred percent. All right. Thank you so much for talking, Jedediah. You're always welcome. Yeah. If there's ever time you just want to like uh, come on and shoot the shit or if you got an event coming up you want to promote. I I, I want to like start making this podcast so like people can come on like for 15. Like we have uh, Nikki Rodriguez coming on. We've had him on like three or four times. Oh. He's a jiu-jitsu guy. We're having him Perfect. coming on tomorrow just for like 30 minutes to talk about just where he's at. So um, I, if there's ever time you want to come on, just shoot me. Shoot me a text. Yeah. One quick thing that I will plug is Please. we are in the process of I'm going to be shooting a small docu series through the CrossFit Open this year um, cool. with some oh. with some other individuals. I'm going to start with Justin. We're going to do and kind of what we were talking about about the adaptive is not scaling and different perceptions and trying to educate more about what we do as high level elite adaptive athletes and getting into some of the strategies of the workouts and how we break them. Talking about the stimulus matching the able body and whatnot. Um, and then I'm going to finalize it with the last week. I'm going to, I did it last year, but I'm going to head down to, uh, I know you have them on tomorrow to Justin Kotler and the underdog athletics crew. And we're going to complete the last week of the open with them. And we're going to shoot it and put this docu series on my YouTube channel. And I know Justin's going to have some on his YouTube channel as well. So I would just suggest that people keep an eye on my YouTube channel and my Instagram for that to come out. Cause I think it'll be, I think it'll be interesting. Yeah, that's cool. I'm glad you're getting that kind of star power too. Hey, is Delugos over there at underdog? Do you know? Yes, got, Matt. Matt yep, Delugos, yeah. yeah. Tell him yeah. I said hi. He doesn't know who I, I will. Am. Tell him I said hi and tell him I want him on the show. He's <laughs> yeah, a, I he's saw an him awesome compete dude. at Wadapalooza, and I was just fascinated with how big he is. He's a, he's yeah. a fucking yeah, dang he's a good, child. He's yeah. a good dude. Yeah, yes, good he dude. is. <laughs> All right, yeah, man. 100%. All right. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Have fun in Mexico. I will. Thank you. It looks beautiful. Appreciate okay. It. Thanks, Jedi. Right. Bye. Bye. And we're off.